Bartholomew Cubbins in the Ublek um, has a great wizard chant. Shuffle, muffle, <laughs> sure. muffle, muss. Yeah, yeah. Whiska, piska, fiska, cuffs. And Roman, what was your favorite? Yertle the Turtle King lifted his hand, and Yertle the Turtle King gave a command. Yeah, I had that. <clears throat> I yep. had that. Awesome. God, it's funny. I, 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 remember, I don't remember the Sneetches. I can't picture it, but I know that name. I just I can't picture it. On again, off again, in again, out again. Through the machine, they went round and about again, changing their stars every minute or two. They kept paying money. They kept going through it until neither the, hmm. neither the plane nor the star-bellied hmm. knew whether this one was that one or that one was this one or this, which one was what one or what one was who. And then, when every last cent of their money was spent, hmm. the fix-it-up chappy packed up. Bought a new tent. Went. They went and bought a new tent so they could go camping. <laughs> And, and he laughed as he drove in his car on the beach. <laughs> and the, the fire, the fire outside of the tent. Never will learn. Didn't didn't take too much work no, to get started that time. Teach a sneech. It uh, the fire the fire went easy that night, and it smoked <laughs> smoked to high heavens. In fact, that was when we finally felt like we were communicating with the heavens, sending these smoke signals. But McBean was quite high. wrong. I'm quite happy to say it was a the fine can really of beans. Dude, that was the night that I learned that you could take a can of Boston baked beans or any Bush baked <laughs> beans, and you can just crack it open, put it in a fire, and it'll just heat right on up. You can have hot beans. You know, all you need is a can of beans and a fire to have hot beans. Uh, it sounds to me like we've got a little bit of a beatnik and a little bit of a Susian having a battle here, Jeff. Just a big fan of beans. If, if you do that with beef. beans, I mean, doesn't the label catch fire? Oh, yeah. So you got to take the label off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's the first thing they teach you in beat school. You know, Tom Waits okay. says there's nothing like a campfire and a can of beans. They say you got to go to the store and you got to buy the nicest can of beans that you can. It's got to be, it can't be a cheap thing of beans. If you're going to be a, a, you know, a, a rail wagon running away from town beatnik in the the woods you need a lot of expensive cans of beans it can't be like <laughs> k&m beans or whatever no it's bushes baked beans yeah. it's got to be boston baked beans those are candies Perfectly acceptable content, blah, podcast, papcast, whatever, up here in the pap cave, episode 217, which is what zip code, Django? Oh, buddy. It's not even a zip it's a Modesto? code. It's an area. It's, code. It's, it's Illinois. God, I Illinois. Ooh, you guys don't okay. know. It's Springfield, Danville, Detroit, Rock City, Jacksonville, and Quincy. Detroit, yeah, it's it's a lot of Illinois. A lot of Illinois. A lot of Illinois. Um, oh, <laughs> here Beastie in the Pap- Boys reference. That was totally. It wasn't an accident at all. Um, <laughs> well, we're going to talk about a bunch of comics, the comes and goings of our lives. We're going to spoil comics, spoil the hell out of comics. Yeah, so, good call. So hey, spoilers. Quit spoiling up there, you randy little kids and you soured milk. <laughs> you kids get off that spoiler on that car. You're going to bend it. <laughs> 
I was going to get that graded. (laughs) (laughs) It's no longer met, you little bastards. (laughs) I don't remember what else we say on our introduction. So there's your introduction. We're going to talk about some comics. I fucking loved it. Now, Roman, I happen to have all the comics in front of me. So do you want me to just create an arbitrary list? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see what what your list. He has them all in front of him, too. Do you have them all with you? Yeah, yeah, but I want, but I want to see if, if your stack matches with my stack. Okay, I love it. I love it. You are so good to me. You're so good to me. Not as good uh, as you are to me. Let's oh, talk about what's on this. Get a room. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a room. It's called a Zoom. It's called a, a Zoom, Zoom room. <laughs> and you're the cuck in the corner. <laughs> you like how that looks? <laughs> Can we say that? I don't really know what where hey. where cuckolds live in the world of uh, acceptability on audio content. Yeah, I don't know. I always thought you and Roman were married. We are. Well, then how am I the cuck? Well, you're just, I mean, you don't have to be, you're the, you're the, 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 okay. So we're going to talk about the Joker. Number one, Donald Trump. Number seven. I thought they canceled that. Oh, they did. Okay. Sorry. I was, I was was just bouncing off the cuck joke, you know, cuckolds have been a longstanding thing before Donald Trump. All right. Yeah. But cuck is an insult. It's like a deplorables. Gosh, I here. Listen, let why me put are you the wind doing... back in these sails? Yeah, what are you doing over there with your yum flavored popsicle trying to? Uh, sorry, what your yuck flavored popsicle trying to smear it all over our yum flavored popsicles? Hey, I think we should start with the Joker. Can we start with the Joker, Jeff? Yeah, I'll get back to my job, Django. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen, number one, Proctor Valley Road, number one, Nonstop Spider Man, number one, Batman Urban Legends, number one. Rorschach, number six. Halfway. The only not number one. Oh, I guess uh, we'll have Nottingham, number one. Then we have Maniac of New York, number two. You know, we're really doing a great job of just sort of like making a career out of like, you know, just covering number ones. Yeah. Can we add a number one? Absolutely. Proctor Valley Road. Well, that was listed as number three. That was. Was it number three? Wow, I wasn't paying what attention. Is, what is your deal tonight? What is your game tonight? What Jeff, is what are you? No, no, he's, he's over there. In the, he's over there in the 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 corner, just like messing us up. <laughs> this is why you're not allowed on the bed, Jacob. You're supposed to enjoy <laughs> watching us do great things. <laughs> I got code brain. I'm sorry. I got cock brain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that you can talk this much about that word. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of references in what would I was going to amount to being the first five minutes of the podcast. Can, um, it's my sincere hope that you take the time to beep them all out. I think that would be hilarious, and <laughs> nobody knows what we're saying. <laughs> Man, I wonder if you'd be able to figure it out from context from cuck text clues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeff. <laughs> I'm Roman. Um, Django. <laughs> <laughs> don't pretend like you don't like it. <laughs> I'm not pretending. <laughs> I'm just gonna be over here. Hey, if you guys need me, just say my name real loud and I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> but say something mean about me while you do it. <laughs> Since we're in Modesto. Modesto. California. Yeah. Modesto, Illinois. So, Roman, what I did when you gave me the authority to pick the organization of the books, I thought it would be really kind of fun to start with The Joker, number one, which is written by Jim's Jim's Tinian IV. And 
uh, I thought what would be fun about that is that this is the best. This is the best Jam Tinian. This is the best James James Tinian the fourth book of a superhero variety that I've read in a long time. Did you guys read this? I was blown away by this. Yeah, I had to go back. I had to check the credits because I was like, wait, <laughs> who wrote this? This is <laughs> this can't be. <laughs> jam? Jam? Jam, how do you do this? It was, was, yeah, please. No, go, go, no, please, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say what's bizarre about this is that this <coughs> art is done by Guillaume March, who then wrote and drew the next book that we'll talk about. And stylistically, just incredibly different. Very different. And he did all of the art in both of them. Yeah, yeah, it's super interesting. I think I read these back to back today. And um, yeah, I was I was super impressed with Joker. I don't think I've liked a superhero Jim Jim Tinian book this much ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, aside from like the kind of random one shots, I don't. Yeah. So what's interesting is on Tuesday when we were checking all these books in, I was like, Django, I'm sorry, but I ordered way too many of these Frank quietly Joker covers and Django's like no don't worry like they'll sell and also if you're gonna overorder a book like a Frank quietly cover is a good one but we were sort of astounded I was like yeah well there's gotta be some polls for it not a single person had pulled or requested this cover of this book and then I got a text today and we've sold out of this cover entirely like the next person who doesn't get it you should have pre-ordered you should have pre-ordered absolutely so we were all surprised about this book and none of us actually talked about that <clears throat> like beforehand. We yeah. haven't like sat in a room and talked about why this book was, but like what was good about this book? It's been about, you know, in role reversal, it's been like four days since I read this book. So if anyone wanted to like, Roman, if you wanted to like jog my memory about this. Um, yeah, I read it last night and it definitely proves that Jimmy TIV, his stuff that are about the like the mainstream big characters, blah. But when he focuses on his own creations or the, the like character actor type characters, mm -hmm. it's great. And this this is Joker number one, but it's all about um, Jim Gordon, who's no longer the commissioner. Jim's. Of Gotham. Jim's and, Gordon. Jim yeah, Gordon. And, yeah. And it's just about him and how the Joker's affected his life and has haunted him ever since he, you know, almost killed his daughter and did kill his son. And it's just so good. It's just that Gordon's no longer with the police force. He's trying to figure out what to do next. And he's at this crossroads and some opportunities come up that are going to lead to some really interesting places. You know, like one of just the small things in here that impressed me uh, about Jam's, Jam's Tinian the Fourth's writing in this is that like Bane died or didn't die in that infinite crisis you know like mm -hmm. the joker like we had that pretty great scene of the police officer in arkham going and seeing bane's mask taken off and his like jaw unhinged and all jokered out and i love just that within some small populations of gotham he's regarded as this hero so when we get to that page of all the candles that are lit around him and he's yeah. this giant sort of tattoo-esque looking mural of him on the side of the wall uh, like on, on a building I, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, yeah, overnight over the makeshift little Santa Prisca and other Caribbean transplant communities in Gotham. Like just a just a interesting like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess like Bane and these other characters probably do fill roles into different cultures within Gotham that aren't just like, oh, he's the bad guy. You know, this is yeah, this book is like all really interesting character development, including like the character of Gotham, which is kind of 
I guess trite to say at this point, but the the stuff he did with Jim Gordon was awesome. Oh, there's a backup I didn't read. The Santa Prisca stuff, the even just the Batman Gordon relationship. Yeah, everything about it. Somehow, somehow he pulled off a nearly perfect issue of a superhero book. I I haven't I, I never would have expected that. Yeah. 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 And and it's a great, you know, uh old cop story. Yeah, I had no idea. I don't know if it's ever been mentioned before that Gotham has these ethnic neighborhoods like mm-hmm. little Santa Prisca Prisca. Um and I never read the all of the new 52 Batgirl series. So I didn't know that the Joker had been involved in killing James Gordon Jr., who was also a serial killer psychopath. Did that happen in Batgirl? Did, it, that was my have. one thing. I, I don't remember that. I never read that. I think it happened in um, the the Batman Who Laughs. Oh, oh, right. I forgot he was doing something during that. Yeah. Yeah, like he got roped into the whole thing, and I'm pretty sure. Except that it seems, I guess I don't remember the end of that. I think he was in the Joker War. Did he kill him in the Joker War? Maybe. I would believe that. That show of hands. Who finished the Joker War? (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I I honestly I didn't really have a problem with it. I was just like, oh, this is just maybe off-panel retcon continuity that they're doing right here. Like you know, maybe that happened or maybe it didn't. But for for right now in this story. What I think is there is this like the the pale girl with the mole and the blonde hair that looks like Harley Quinn that's introduced and she's got the like crazy muscular person behind him who I'm pretty sure is Bane. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, covering his mouth that got torn off by the Joker toxin. Yeah, or just or his little mask thing. Yeah, I I I'm curious what is the role of these two characters that seem like Harley Quinn and Bane and we've got maybe some identity stuff or trick stuff going on there but i always love bane but i thought she might be um the phantasm mm, or punch butt oh, oh i thought she was just your the, the femme fatale for this storyline the finding out that uh jim's been jim jim's been jim's yeah. been jim's been has been dying his hair <laughs> just in order to look younger and get ahead politically at barbara's suggestion I thought that was an awesome little bit of, of character work and the the creepy idea of that detective who's like the the schlubby dipshits on that police comedy show that I like to watch. Reno or sorry, uh Reno 911, Brooklyn 99. Oh, Brooklyn Brooklyn 99. Um like it shows Scully from Brooklyn 99 in that first scene, but it shows why he's kind of a desk mm-hmm. jockey. Because yeah. he, he was so broken by finding that cannibal who offered him the meat. Like that, that that's a horrifying visual. Yeah. Like somebody who's so out of it that they're just like, oh, you, you, you want to bite? That was a great introduction for it. Yeah. Those are the pages like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is, because I, I almost, I almost didn't read this. Yeah. Me too. Me too. But I felt I had to because of that cover. Was it the, uh, was it also the Dark Knight Returns reference with the mutants mm-hmm. and the purse in the subway? I think it really was like you two were just saying, like it was that really initial conversation about the brutality of the police force and just like how I was immediately kind of drawn in by the depravity of the description that they were giving of like horrific murder and the, yeah, it, I was like, okay, well, what's going on here? It, it mm-hmm. piqued my interest of some 
some dark thing. And I also liked, I like that the hair dyeing thing. Cause it kind of does a good job of doing like he had gray hair pre new 52. And then in Batman and quarantine, we were talking about why he had orange hair again. Cause they tried to, you know, de-age him, but this way they're kind of doing both. And that's rad. Yeah. I, I, I think this was a great issue. I think if you like the Joker or like Gotham stories or like commissioner Gordon or just Batman stories, that are sort of tangentially about Batman. Um, this is a really, really good one. Django's showing up a picture of, that's good that they drew of the Joker where it's like he's just disfigured, his eyes are all over. Like it's a there's there's like seven mouths and four hands. I, that's that picture scared me. Yeah, that really reminded us reminded me of uh Joe Bennett's work. Yeah, I I was I love this book. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, good. I hope too. that it I hope that it stays good. I uh I, I like the art, I like the writing. I hope it stays tonally like this so that we can be like, yeah, there's this Jimmy Jim Jim. There's this jams tin. There's just jams tin book. It's a it's a good tinian. Yeah, tine, there you go. Tinian. Good good tinian. Good tinian. Yeah. yeah. Did, did anybody read the uh, the punchline backup? Well, you didn't. Well, you didn't miss anything. I did. Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> Do you folks have scores for this book? Well, Roman's driving. So Ray, you Roman's probably driving. start right. I think I would think so. <clears throat> I never took the car cover off. We're going to crash. Oh, uh, I love riding with Roman. <laughs> uh, Ask me that white claw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man, man. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to grade it as if the punchline backup is not in it. That seems to be a safe way of being. <laughs> and the whole yeah. thing is just the It can Joker. only add. Yeah. 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 Can, can I? Oh, should I give the gooey right out? That would be a fucking insane move to pull, I bud. Think, I think I am because this... It was so good, and it also oh, it's all it on surprised my face. Me. Why is it when you're in the passenger seat, it ends up on your face instead of the table? How yeah. is it on your face yeah. and on my foot at the same time? Oh, God, there's so much squid. Man, the G-forces, the gooey forces are oh. just so intense in here. Is oh. my foot on your face? No, it's the gooey force. It's the gooey force. Um, I'm going to add to it another gooey. Really? <laughs> yeah, I th- I liked this, it a lot, but this is this blowing is really my good. goo back. This, I, I guess maybe uh, maybe if I if if uh, Ed Brubaker had written this, I'd give it a nine. But since <laughs> since JTIV did it, I'm going to give it a ten. Best thing I've read of his in the superhero universes. I'm not entirely convinced. I wouldn't say it's the best thing I've ever read from him because you know that's a I can I can hop over that bar. It's it's up there. I, he has done some independent stuff that I have liked more. Um, yeah. Or I, maybe not more than that, but I, I would I would give it solid eight point five nine vibes. I'll go nine. I really dug it. But yeah, there's something about giving a Jams Ginny in the fourth book uh, a nine that makes it feel like it's a ten. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, everything's a bell curve. Yeah. Um, yeah speaking of Gilliar March. Um, is he Italian? What's, what Gilliam? I think he is, is Italian. Spanish? I think he's Italian or okay. French, but I think Italian. Well, he's got another book called Carmen. Number one came out this week. Uh, and he does the story and art. He's from Spain, by the way. Oh, thank you. I was oh, trying Spanish. to pull that okay. up on my phone. But... And this book, actually, oh, boy, this is really good. It's, and yeah, like Django said, the art is, his art here is so different from his art on, in Gotham on Joker. There, there was a few similarities in faces that I was like, okay, I, get, I guess this is the same artist. But this is pretty amazing. It's very innovative artistically. I I couldn't agree more. I This issue, Carmen number one, story-wise, 
I don't know if it was my favorite story of the week, but this did things I've never seen done artistically mm-hmm. in a comic. I think this yeah, is yeah. one of the most beautiful single issues of a comic I've read in a very long time. There's actually a couple really gorgeous books this week, but this is top of the top of the pops for, you know, certainly so far in 2021, but uh, of the last year, like, and yeah, there's uh, suicide trigger warnings there. And there is a lot of not sexual nudity in it. Not sexy at all to me. Yeah. But also a lot of sexy in here. Yeah. And not yeah. like not even necessarily the nudity, but just like the the Carmen is is super erotic. Yeah, yeah. It was well, kind of only because she talks about farting all the time. Like that's there's so much me. farting and pooping. Yeah, that's erotic for Django. But to me, I actually was pretty impressed with like like yeah, there's there's boobs, but like uh the, like the person who's naked throughout the whole thing, who ultimately Carmen is what seems like death, and she's ushering people from death into the after, like some life into the afterlife. And she has just, she's, you can only see the bones of her body. So she physically looks awesome. But like the, she finds a girl who just killed herself and doesn't quite realize what has happened, but she was naked in the bathtub. So the whole time in the issue, she's naked and she's just like the physical proportions are accurate of a human being, Mm -hmm. you know, like she's hunched over and her stomach has like the, the stomach rolls that all humans would have. But the usage of the the six panel grid, but like just modified, like advanced six panel grid, like on, you know, page four, when it's like this girl in a flashback getting dressed in her room and like it's eight panels, four on top and four on the bottom. And mm-hmm. it's a all stationary background and she's moving through the top four panels through it in a typical comic book way. And then the, the ones below it are not like that's just super proficient. But then you get to these ones where like Carmen's walking around in the bathroom and it's like four on top, but like she's sharing two two panel grids up top or what is I would say ultimately the most impressive is when we get that angled like three quarter diagonal down perspective shot of her and the suicide victim walking through three levels of a house. And it's like a mm-hmm. cutout of a house from up looking down through walls into other. It's that page is absolutely incredible. And like so much of the scene, so much of the, the book really takes place in this tiny little bathroom and the ways that he gets around sort of the, the limitations of that room, like wide angle lenses from above, just just like the the way that he works with that space is it's it's wild yeah and and just it and the writing and it's amazing that he did all of this the writing going back to that page jeff you were talking about where uh oh one of the main characters this zisco is that how you say his name his um girlfriend maybe just girlfriend at the time that's walking through her bedroom and having the phone conversation with them mm-hmm. as proficient as the art is the dialogue in that scene is great too because this girlfriend is very possessive and won't let him like talk to or hang out with his best friend from childhood which is the woman that that commits suicide and we get the suspicion that part of the reason she does that is because her best friend from childhood is is she feels is blowing and blowing her off and she doesn't know why it's all it's also sad and 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 realistic and that storytelling was 
so well done because at the beginning you're like okay i don't know is this just like a young kids haunting so i had no idea what this was going into it mm -hmm. but we get one shot of some kids and it shows that there's this little girl who's very one for one page has a best friend that's a boy and then we go 20 years in the future and we see you know yeah like this this conversation about the guy's girlfriend not really letting him hang out with her best friend and then we jump seven years into the future from there and it's as i was reading i was just like okay who are these people what is this and all of that was just lead up to the fact that this girl kills herself but you don't really even get it was just a really interesting way of giving that information it doesn't yeah. say like here's this person and these are the connections and this is why she would kill herself it's like three moments of her life and then you know we're like is this lady death that she's walking like why is she? and you kind of put together that she killed herself because of these it's just usually when an artist does writing and art for possibly the first time um, it, it's more stilted and not as proficient as the way that the story is told. And, and this does it so well to the point where I almost wonder if they've done other writing because it's like Roman said, it's very, very deaf storytelling. Yeah. And I, there, there are a couple points where I was like, this is definitely not an American writing this comic. Um, it's, it's got a super kind of humanoids vibe to it. It feels a lot like Milo Minara. I, I could see Minara having drawn most of this. His, his angles are not as interesting, but just like the character designs mm -hmm. and any excuse to have a woman run around naked for the entire comic is uh, right up his alley. Um, but that, that's a good point because Guillaume March, for as much as like superhero stuff that he's done, and as much as like I feel like this manages to not be sexual, mm -hmm. um, he has a <clears throat> huge body of work of like just erotic female art. So. I, yeah. I just appreciated the the tone of this. It didn't feel there's only one moment where it felt a little like you're t you just mentioned masturbation like four times on this page like that. I was the but outside of that, like there was it wasn't like leery to me because this girl's talking about farting and pooping and like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she she has she has fun with it eventually. But it also like it's like uh, scared, cowering, naked girl for a big chunk of it. I don't know. I, I was, I went back and forth through the whole thing like this. I feel weird with this. And then, no, this is, this is actually pretty cool. And then, oh, I feel weird. about No, this is actually pretty cool. I, I think no matter what, it's a, a really, really well done comic um, in yeah. storytelling. Like the craft of this whole thing is amazing. And I hope that wherever the story goes, um, you know, I hope she figures out how to imagine herself some clothes at some point. I hope that this was a one shot and we don't see that girl again. Like I, okay too. I, I, I just not knowing anything going into it and the way that it left, I'm just like, okay, I hope that we just don't like, I hope that this is just sort of about this person who ushers people from life to afterlife. Um, and not necessarily this one girl that mm. was there. I, I kind of viewed her as much more the side character than I would give it a 9.5. I think mm. that it's like one of the most impressive artistic comics I've seen on the stands in a shockingly large amount of time. And I didn't realize it flipping through it on Tuesday, but once I sat down and started realizing I give the craft a 10, I'm going to give the, the comic as a whole, um, nine and a half. And it's just because I don't quite know where he's coming from. Yeah. And, and I, I, I sincerely hope that it's just happened to be that's, that's where the character was. Yeah, you know, also other cultures, right? You know, like America's oh, yeah. defensive of people being leery because it's such a 
excessively sexualized culture and we take mm -hmm. advantage of all these people through all art and medium all the time but i also think america is worse at that than ever so like you know i think other places it's not but yeah also who knows no i i think it's i think it's a really 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 well done book yeah in fact this was gonna be my gooey until joker surprised me so much um, you skipped a week once just gang them up fill this car you can put as many gooeys in this goddamn clown gooeys car as you want you drive the car you know, I really, I really like the fact that our main character here that, that yeah, she's naked the whole time and she just looks like a, 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 a real woman. Yeah. You know, she's not like a Manara sexualized the entire time thing. Um, okay, fine. I will give it a gooey. Oh, gooey yeah. duh. And I think, and I think you're right, Jeff, because at the very end, Carmen, her last line is enjoy it while I go take care of another problem. So the next issue, mm -hmm. maybe it'll be some other person's story. Roman, where are we headed next and which streets are we going to take to get there? Well, let's see, because while you were reading off the books, I dropped my stack. So mine got out of order. I think we're doing Proctor Valley Road next. Yeah. And that's uh, the road that we're going to take to get there. Sweet. Which is by Grant Morrison and Alex Child and illustrated by Naomi Franquiz. Yeah. Franquiz? Franquiz. Oh, colored by our friend. Tamra Bonvillon. Bon Boy, this was another good book. Ten. Really? <laughs> I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> is what I would give it. Maybe after we talk about it a little bit, we'll find but, out. Spoilers. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> This made me listen to Janis Joplin for the rest of the day. I don't really? know if you guys had the same reaction. I, I realized oh. that I know some Janis Joplin, but I'd never really listened to Janis Joplin, and I didn't recognize the song lyrics. So this is a horror book, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. It's a Grant um, Morrison number one, so we got to talk about it. Yeah, and he, I, I couldn't... I was curious. I wonder how much of this... Did he do the script for this? Was, I mean... It was a half and half writing effort. I don't, we, we don't know. I could not smell the Grant Morrison on this book. I, I wouldn't have known that if if it didn't say so. Yeah. And part of that's the art. It's it's got a super like all ages boom style or like like middle middle grade boom style. But uh, yeah, I got I got about halfway through and I was like, I don't I don't see Grant Morrison's fingerprints on this very much. Also, I'm not really the Grant Morrison head that Jeff and Roman and Justin are. I also think? didn't really get Grant Morrison. There was a couple moments where I was like, that feels Morrison-y. Like, kind of just like the casual drug references that were in it felt like kind of the way that Morrison will talk about drugs in his books. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, it felt way more like a ton of different boom number ones that I've read than it felt like a Grant Morrison comic, um, which could be Grant Morrison cashing in on the boom money um or maybe just using their name with alex child to help this book get out there that's what they did with mm -hmm. 18 days to help sort of get this graphic india imprint up started that was what jonathan hickman did with god is dead for avatar so it's not a totally unheard of thing to do yeah i didn't really know what this was going into it and i don't have a great idea leaving it and it doesn't i think that it does what many boom do books do really well which is you know, tell a good story with nice art about people that are well conceptualized, but I just don't super identify with or super care to read. And this is, you know, my probably my favorite writer, man, this, this did exactly what you said, except it is characters that I cared to read. Yeah. I really liked the kids in this. And I really liked the, the peril. Um, and I really liked the part where 
the the dudes drive by in the car and they call the the girls Manson girls. I liked that line as well, just from the amount of learning about that era that I have done lately. Yeah, and then one of them says, "Eat shit, whistle, dick," and the other like one says, "Yeah, line. eat dick, shit, whistle." Yeah, I thought that good. was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. The the friends here, they're all really well well portrayed. I love the scene at the carnival. Um, a couple pages there where some I don't know some older just dickhead guys try picking on the one guy and they all kind of rally even though he doesn't want them to rally they all rally and make fools of these guys yeah so basically it follows some kids in a small town who are trying to get enough money to go see janice joplin in concert they need what fifteen dollars to go to $8 the show dollars each yeah eight dollars each and they like they get in trouble for stealing sunglasses that they were going to sell for 50 cents each to bankroll their plan and they finally uh, go to the carnival and, and realize that they could, they, they can take these dudes who think that they're going to get laid if they hang out with these girls long enough. They can take them out to the spooky road that has some ghost stories about it and charge them five bucks each for a ghost tour. Things things go wrong. The boys disappear and the girls uh, the girls get home. And, and it's, it's, I thought it was pretty scary, actually. Yeah, the scene after Cora's uh, flashlight goes out and it's just five dark panels for the page mm-hmm. that struck me i wonder if that's the like the morrison bit because it was very scary <laughs> i love the the gags like the constant jokes about the the girl's voice and yeah she's like, what, what's wrong with my voice guys and, mm-hmm. but but she's the one that they make tell the ghost story because she's got a creepy voice yeah. I, I i liked it like i i don't know that i would have picked it up if it didn't have grant morrison's name on it so maybe that's part of what you're talking about, Jeff, but I'm glad I did. And I read a lot more of these boom comics with this art style than I really want to admit live on the radio right now. <laughs> yeah, I think the art was very good. Uh, and I, it actually had kind of like a Nick Darrington feel to me at times, which is sort of like thick lines, soft colors, especially like the scene where they're doing the carnival game with like the guns and the bullets hitting off there. I was like, that looks a lot like Nick Darrington, yeah, which is, that which is great. Um, yeah. And I did like the characters, but you guys tell me if something starts happening in this story that surprises you or is really interesting, but it seems like a very good comic, but it, it doesn't, it just seems like I can kind of project or feel the next four or five issues of it. And I'm not super interested in tagging along for it just because it seems, seems like something I've maybe read before. Uh, actually, honestly, the most interesting part to me was that these, there's a kind of a big bit about these bullies kind of trying to get this one guy to like join, like, why don't you use your skills at sharpshooting to go to Vietnam? And I like the way that he talked about not wanting to go to Vietnam, but then the three bullies, at least two of them go missing or maybe all three of them. No, all three of them went missing, but two of them, their draft numbers had come up to go to the draft. And that's our final page reveal. And that was the most interesting thing to me, which is like, Oh, I'm interested in that. So what I would like is if somehow the call up papers or something is tied to the mystery of who is maybe mm. pursued by these like that, that would be interesting mm. to me. It would be way outside of the kind of, you know, there's a scary valley thing and maybe it's got monsters and we don't think it does. But, oh, actually, it does. And like mm-hmm. now we're going to maybe profit. I, all of that is a little rope. But if it's somehow tied into like the cultural movement of Vietnam and the role that it's playing on people or like this feeling that they're pursued by something and it's their draft number, like I would I would really that would be cool. So please yeah. tell me if it goes in that direction. 
I give that one an eight. Good comic. I think that it's, uh, I, I, you know, most of those boom book number ones do like they, they fall on that opinion for me. I think they're mostly like pretty dang good books, but they don't generally capture my interest enough to read more of them. Andrew Carlson, mm. friend, friend of, the, of show. the show. Yeah. Please get out your yellow highlighter because I'm going to deviate from the norm. I can't quite give it a nine. I'm going to give it an 8.75 mm. approaching a nine, like uh, driving down the nine road. Ooh, route driving nine. I'll give it an eight and a half. I really like, I really like the cover of the one I got because it's kind of, I don't know, maybe maybe a little Storinko esque, maybe. <laughs> On the topic of Dutch angles, um, <laughs> are we talking about nonstop Superman? Oh wait, tip it fifteen to eighteen degrees to the left. Yeah, let's do nonstop Superman. This nonstop Spider Man by. <laughs> Joe, Joe Kelly, Kelly and Chris Bacallo, and then a backup story by uh, Joe Kelly and Dale Eaglesham. Weird, weird combination of art sequences, but man, the Bacallo's art is pretty <laughs> awesome in general. But when when you just, I honestly, I think that this was a cost saving mechanism. I think he's like, I can do eighty percent of a page if I tip it all diagonally, <laughs> and I can leave the top and bottom of the page white at that point. And there's a lot of unused page space because this dude fucking loves a Dutch angle. Yeah. He likes Dutch angles. Like I like Dutch ovens. There you go. Okay. Okay. I don't, what, that's uh, a fart joke, Roman. That's what these are called. Dutch angles. I don't know if it's in comics called that, but our, your friend and my friend, Sean Marshall, um, you know, we'll talk about, there was a movie we recently. Fodge, friend of the Jeff. Yeah. 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 And Roman friend of the jaw or whatever. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like we watched a movie that was like entirely art, you know, like cool edge. He watches the D of the D. Like he watches every movie that's ever yeah. come out. And we were watching one and it was entirely. And he just kept saying like this fucking d- dude loves Dutch angles. So I don't know if it's in comics the same, but, you know, Pachala was famous for like tipping panels and whatnot. But like this whole issue for the most except for like flashback sequences yeah it's all the same angle almost it's like i just read the whole comic tilted because it was so (laughs) consistent and like that didn't feel like i was getting an extra thing it was i don't know did you guys like this were you able to read this Uh, on the first try i didn't really like it i wanted to i yeah I, i was torn um it is, it is difficult. It's definitely nonstop. It lives. It definitely lives up to the title. But could you slow down for a minute, dude, and like hang out for a second? Yeah, I was afraid I was going to have a headache by the time I got to the end. <laughs> yeah. I reread three or four pages a couple times, and I didn't like it the first time. And then I, I ended up really, really liking it. Really? Um, yeah. Part of it is the art. I think the art is, is super good. Um, just the it's so kinetic and the i like the really fat white and black outlines around things Mm -hmm. i loved the way that he showed peter's uh spidey sense (laughs) where it's just like words over his head saying look out below and and you know get up um i i thought that the stuff that they did and i don't know if it was bachalo or the colorist but um there's there's some really interesting blur effects in here uh, I thought the bad guys kind of sucked, but they look. Do you remember the image book Bonehead? Yeah, they look exactly yeah. like that's the character art. Like he was like, I don't know, what's an image book that failed there? Yeah, um, but but the the way that the story was told was pretty confusing. It was a lot of flashback, flash forth, like 
I think there's like three levels of nested storytelling going on in here. Is um, it taking place during a time where Peter is a student? This is outside of the main universe. So he's a student. So yeah, I think he's That's, a student. Okay, that like yeah, two thirds of the way through, I was like, okay, like he's not a teacher. He's like similarly a student as these other people. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's out of continuity and and uh, yeah, he's hanging out with these guys. But the just the I don't know it, it when I read the the back matter. Yes, Jeff, I read the back matter. Nice. Did you read the, name, the drug prevention hotline? I did. Um, and I thought that was kind of a throwback to the seventies almost. Mm. Um, cause usually comics are just like, yeah, people do drugs. So what? And this yeah. one was like, yeah, people do drugs and then they die and you should call this phone number. But, um, just like name dropping crank and speed, it made the whole thing make a lot more sense to me. And I guess, you know, the words nonstop Spider-Man should have been a clue. Um, but <laughs> I yeah, I, awesome I think you have it... to read this fast thing real slow to get it. I didn't dislike it. I think it's awesome that it exists as a counterpoint to the Nick Spencer book, which seems mm -hmm. very character based and even slow moving at times. Mm -hmm. Like this is, Hey, if you don't like this and you just want like a out of continuity Spider-Man action book, go for this. I think it's better Bachala than we've seen in quite a while. I do think it's like kind of still rushed rough Bachala. Like maybe he's just doing some really new stylistic stuff, but body proportions seemed weird or like, the hands that are just like circles with weird things, like not fingers, but like um, there's some very particular. Oh gosh, yeah, they're like gauntlets that are gra crafted to their guns are using. I think I, I like Bachalo. I used to really like Bachalo's stuff, and and this feels just like a little bit rushed. But when it is like at this page right here, the hands, but but when it is him, I think his humans out of costume are a little bit rough. Did Joe Casey write sex? Joe Casey did write sex. This is Joe Kelly. Okay. Oh, who did a big run on um, Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. 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 And he he was the one who actually made Deadpool silly. Okay. Yeah. Many people, that's his claim to fame, I think, is he made Deadpool cool. This this feels, I, I could see this being a Deadpool writing yeah. style really easily. Did you guys read the second bit? Yeah. Yes. I liked the second bit, like more i think only because it gave me i just i like i sunk my teeth into something a little bit more wasn't even a single dutch angle in there jeff i know <laughs> but i like the art i can't really put my finger on exactly like this i don't think it's the pencils but like the coloring is so similar to something i can't distinctly remember it made me think of if somebody turned the lights on in a mike perkins punisher comic because as I was reading this, I was thinking, okay, like the, Marvel does this and DC, like they start these small series. And I think based on how much popularity this gets, they might add new creators to it and do additional story arcs. Or it could be something that ends after six issues mm -hmm. if no one's really getting it. But then I, I liked this backup thing because I was like, okay, no, they're, they're trying to build something as well. It's not just like a really velocity filled quick comic, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, and... I knew I'd like it just because I like uh, Dale Eaglesham's art. I mean, it's so all of his men are so ridiculously mm -hmm. homoerotic with their giant chest and shoulders. And yeah. they're all exactly the same. But it was fun. I like the fact that somebody finally had some fun with, you know, Baron Zemo's flamboyant um, <laughs> costume. Nazi, please. Yeah. Like yeah. You know, Bachalo's art, like, I love looking at it. I love looking at it. Even a, even like a slightly maybe under peak Bachalo 
for me in this um, is, you know, still more unique and innovative than most comic artists. Maybe a reread would make me like it even more, Django. But yeah, I, you know, I'm, I like a Spider-Man doing a thing that's very stressful and quick and everything like that. You know, I like that. I like Spider-Man doing pretty much anything. I'll probably read the second one. You know, what was funny for me with this is, and maybe, I don't know if it's, it made me feel my age. It, it, and there's a particular thing, like when, when you're reading Spider-Man and it, he's making references that make you feel old. And there's just something real particular about that happening in Spider-Man that you're like, oh, I feel even doubly old now. <laughs> <laughs> I used to really feel like this comic got me. And now yeah. I feel like it's yeah, I can't even with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually even marked the pages because I had to look up. I had to look up your thread slap mechanical doping shoes <laughs> no I, i've got i got multiple meanings for spray that work for me i don't find out if beyond if a beyond katana was actually a real thing or a oh i think that was thing. like a reference to like beyond meat like beyond beef is what i interpret oh that. okay i also looked up machine machino mafia apparently that's some kind of coffee thing okay so do we have scores for that book uh I think I will give it a, oh boy, I'll give it a seven. I'll probably read the second one, but it did kind of give me a headache by the end. I'm going to give it an eight because I like it when Roman gets a headache. And I'm going to go 7.5 <laughs> because while I didn't love the story, I think that it's, I just, I would rather live in a world where once a month we get an issue of Chris Pachalo art. Yeah. And it's definitely it's better than I think the monthly Spider-Man title. Roman, you and I are going to talk briefly about Batman Urban Legends, just the first story, right? Because there was four in here. This is a digital first comic, but um, there's a Chip Zdarsky written Red Hood Batman story is, is yeah. really the only the thing I would say super worth talking about in here. I, I agree. Yeah. Chip, Chip Zdarsky wrote it. Eddie Barrows and Eber Fiera were the artist. Yeah, and that makes sense because there's some flashback scenes in here that look very kind of like Batman the Animated Series mm. looking art. Yeah, and the flashback artist was Marcus Toe, or Two Toe. Oh my god, I thought, I assumed that was the second artist in there. You're right, sorry. I thought Aber Ferreira was the, the flashback artist, but yeah. And for the most part, I like I like Eddie Barrows' art. They do some cool watercolor mixed with sort of, sort of traditional styles in here, but... This is mostly just kind of a Red Hood relating to Batman story. And I liked that because I, I mean, if you guys remember us talking about Batman, the three Jokers, what I was really liking out of that was that we were pushing Jason Todd in a direction. And I haven't been super interested in the status quo sort of Jason Todd for years now, but I would like him to either be dead or to be entirely a good guy or to be a person who has come back from the dead and is killing people and is pissed off at Batman. And we haven't really had any yeah. of those. We've had just sort of like, I'm kind of like a gruff anti-hero. And, you know, the climax of this issue is him murdering somebody. And, you know, I'm, I've said it a lot, but I, I really like Jason Todd being Batman's greatest failure and living that. And I think that's how you can create a Batman villain within the last 20 years that actually means something to Batman himself. Yeah. And that, and the ending of this, I mean, well, the, the it's not finale because it's going to be a continued story, um, six parts. But yeah, it was great because he kills this guy that is, you know, he's a scumbag. He doesn't care about his wife or kid or anything or what happens to them. And so, yeah, Jason blows him away. But he, but then he regrets it like instantly because he's because he made a point earlier. He's in Gotham City investigating this uh, 
this drug, this new drug that's on the streets and he's trying to find out the sources and everything. And he's making an effort since he's in Gotham, he's using rubber bullets because um, he, he wants to respect Batman and not kill while he's in his city. Um, at the end, when he kills this guy, he does it. He picks up the guy's gun, which of course has real bullets and shoots him. Um, partly be, a lot of reasons because this guy's abandoned his child and Jason identifies with that, but it's, it's he's just not a simple, Jason's not a, just a simple killer here. He's a killer, but he's, he's got, there's a lot more to him. He's got a conscience and, and he's not a bad guy. But, and, and what I think is cool in this is that it, I think that Jason has lived long enough or not lived long enough um, that he's a very, there's a lot of rich backstory for him there. And within this story, like he meets this kid whose parents die and we know enough about Jason and this, and Chip Zdarsky is an amazing writer at this point. He's, really an incredible writer and we know enough about jason that like the responsibility he takes by saving this kid who no longer has parents is a huge thing so when he kills this person at the end and we know he doesn't want to but he's conflicted he kills and he's like the kid what have you done jason like we don't need jason todd to be existing within the confines of a batman book now you know like or even his character doesn't need to be dignified or not dignified, but like railroaded by, you know, this is Batman's priorities or something like he, his own damage and his regret, it all speaks for itself. So the fact that he feels tremendously guilty about murdering this person because he knows that as a kid that he just saved that kid, if he was that kid, which he would have been, it's not good to watch somebody kill as your role model. Like all of that shows the internal conflict of Jason Todd in a really, I think, proficient way that that yeah i mean it's just it doesn't he doesn't it's a great character and i think when treated responsibly enough and not just as batman's old sidekick or something you can do some pretty impressive stuff with it and i think that chip zadarsky did that here yeah yeah i agree definitely um you know halfway through this story alfred and batman having that talk about jason and alfred saying how you know we let him down we failed him it's like okay good this story has some has some real meat to it. Yeah, for sure. Meat. I didn't read the end of the the next ones. These are digital first issues. I'm sure there was a Matthew Rosenberg one at the end that was tying into that grifter story that was happening in Future State, um, and that's cool. But what would you just give the Red Hood story by Zadarsky in there, Romstad? Uh, just the Red Hood Red Hood story. Um, dang, I I would give just that story alone eh, nine point five. I'm very interested in following that story. Nice. I don't did, care about the rest of the stories in the issue. Did Metamorpho as a prison give you any feelings inside your body? That was a cool couple panels. Yeah. I mean, the story itself, meh, but it was cool seeing Metamorpho do that because we haven't mm-hmm. seen that before, I think. And I'd go... I'd go 7.5 or 8. I'll go 8 on it. I think it was a good story. Or it was good. The writing was good. I think if it were to just lean into what it's trying to do a little bit more, I would like it more. Like, let it be a Jason Todd and let him murder people. Like, I don't know. It feels like we're sort of not, we're shying away from him letting to go as extreme as he could go because he's still kind of a Robin. And I just say like, fuck that. He's a damaged character. Let's, let's let it really happen. But let's let the eighties of Batman finally happen to Jason Todd and let Batman enter the light again. What are we doing next? Because this is where I dropped my stack. Oh, yeah. You're the fucking driver, bro. <laughs> you could choose anywhere, but Speaking Rorschach. Let's, driving. Let's, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's get to this Rorschach and driving down the desert highways. I thought it was pronounced Rorschach. 
Rorschach, but you can. It's kind of like Tony Chatteris. You can say it however you want. Rorschach. Yeah. Rorschachy. Rorschachy and Joni. This interesting issue. This this issue surprised me, just in what it was and what we've been getting out of this series. The last couple of issues has been different than this. I'm I'm excited to hear from both of you about, like, what what the two of you thought about this one because it yeah it diverted from kind of what we've been getting in just in terms of like the actual execution of it a lot of it is letters like what you know jangle you want to like summarize and sort of tell us what this was yeah so it's it's letters back and forth between um laura who we know from the first issue is the the woman who was hanging out with the person in the rorschach mask between her and the artist who we think is the Rorschach character that got killed in the first issue. And it's just them kind of building a relationship based on her writing him a letter. And then we just kind of watch them go through some of their lives. There was, there was one part in here where like, she's had all these conversations with him and told him all this stuff. And, and then she's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm 19. And like just the amount of living that she's done by the time she's 19 was a super bummer. And I don't know, like this, this whole thing is set in the, you know, in the world of the Rorschach TV show, I think where technology isn't what it is now. So even, even now in the present day of this, they don't have email. They don't have Facebook kind of stuff. So they're still writing back and forth like it's the 70s or 80s. And I, I think that that's a really interesting thing to thing to do to these characters, to have them create kind of a pen pal relationship. And then she shows up and like we still don't really know for sure that he is Rorschach, but it's it's definitely. Uh, I don't know, I, I, I really liked it. I thought it was just more great character work and just like the others, it's told in a different way than the rest of the issues. Like not a single one of these issues has been told in the same way. I really like this one too. It's, I mean, it's the letter. I, I love that. I love that uh, device of using letters between two characters to reveal so much about them. And you can you really get into their heads and start to understand why two lonely, broken people at, at with a huge age difference between them, but how they connect and understand each other so well and, and why they kind of turn, end up the way they are and, and in these lives. It's, it's really sad, especially her story. Her story is pretty tragic. Yeah. Man. Yeah, so, like so the, every every single letter that they write back and forth juxtaposed with not even always juxtaposed. Sometimes they're just kind of narrating the scene and sometimes they're, they're contrasting the scene, but every one of them is just an interesting single page. It's just a bunch of single page stories. And any one of them is a, is a full chapter, you know, yeah. there's like a 20 or 22 page 20 or 22 chapter story here um, that builds to, you know, wherever he's going with this. I love the yeah. pirate stuff. Like, I felt I, so bad when she was ready to kill herself. I love the, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I feel less sure of sort of the role of this issue at, uh, in the as as a part of the whole 
than I have about the previous couple, you know, like, and it is, it's just great character work and it's beautifully done and it's beautifully told and it's very evocative emotionally. I loved the pages that were like the letter and it was like a one gorgeous full page shot. Even mm -hmm. the ones where they broke it into the nine panel grid after that were still really great, but I really like that. I think it's still incredibly interesting what they're doing with this Rorschach creator and like, and Rand, who I don't know anything about, so I don't really even include that. I just consider it as a Ditko stand-in because I know that like you could get a hold of Ditko if you wrote him a handwritten letter. And he was <laughs> like everything about this writer feels like exactly Ditko. So you know, I I don't really know. I think that my exercise with this whole thing has been not really thinking too much about the Watchmen and just sort of mm -hmm. letting it be other stuff. And in that, there's a little bit that I feel like I kind of missed in this issue just about, I don't know, presidents and politics and time frames. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe I didn't fully get what this one was doing, but I think it's gorgeous. Is the old guy Rorschach? I don't know. Like she's, I was kind of thinking like she did that thing where she kind of convinced the strong man that he needed to be Rorschach with her. So is she just now duping this old man into doing it as well? Like, is she a sociopath who's like choosing these targets to kind of get to do these things with her? And then the end is very interestingly juxtaposed with like the cop breaking into a place and Rorschach is sitting there on a couch while, you know, simultaneously she goes to finally meet him. You know, probably he is the Rorschach that dies. I also remember at one point, like they got the fingerprints and it was actually Walt Walter Kovacs's fingerprints. And yeah, I mean, we, we, we have no confirmation that it is Rorschach. It can't be Kovacs in the Rorschach costume without some sort of weird time shit, which right. I, right. I fucking, I swear I'm never going to read another comic if they do that in this book. And I wouldn't think that they do, but whatever they've done to get his fingerprints is going to be interesting. You know, yeah. um, I think that this book, the the place that this has in the story is to just make things more gray for us. Because in the beginning, they were kind of good guys doing bad guy shit for a, for a purpose. Right. And now we don't know what to think of her and what to think of him like they're you can you can kind of identify with their motivations and their lives and you can see the history of them which led to all of these decisions and these beliefs and i i love that they're set up to be the mystery but they're not even i don't think that by the end we're going to feel like they're necessarily solidly in any black hat or white hat camp yeah i i've been enjoying this book much more than I thought I would, but I've, you know, like, I think I have a pretty a different relationship with it than a lot of like the rest of the crew, which has got a watchman thing in it. So I, I just, I, when this whole thing is over, I'm going to be interested to see what it feels like. It was like this, this whole book is, is about kind of parallel stories. And I guess that's kind of what a good detective story is too. Like what was happening while that was happening. Yeah. And I, it seems like it's also, a lot about Ditko. Um, oh, yeah, but it's Ditko, but what if? Kind of like the, the, the Rorschach is the question, but what if? Yeah, and I've you've said that before, but no, I just mean sort of like this conversation about the role of the artist after creating the art and then creating a parallel between Ditko and Alan Moore and the creator rejecting the art and where did the art come from originally and then mm -hmm. how does one escape the art or what is the role of the art relative to the artist's legacy and 
the battles that Ditko went through with all of that and the lies that he told about separating himself from Marvel, even when he was still getting paychecks, like he died saying <laughs> that he wasn't getting reimbursed, but he like his neighbors saw these huge Spider-Man checks coming in. Like all of huh. it is like a very, to me, it's, it's got what is more interesting is, is, is yeah. I mean the, you know, like maybe compare Ditko to the Rorschach, all that stuff, but like, I don't even need to do that. I think it's really interestingly about Alan Moore and Ditko and, what happens when you birth something into a world that takes it and stops it from being your own? And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's and like, do I have to? Do I really have to play the hits again with this pirate comic, or can yeah. I just do something cool that I like on my own? Yeah, Alan Moorish. That's really interesting about the parallels, Jeff, because I didn't know that thing about um, <clears throat> Ditko still at the end of yeah. his life, still getting royalties from from Marvel which is good but then him saying he wasn't well that has parallels with interestingly enough Anne rand because at the end of her life she was really poor and she was uh in on some form of welfare and she always just railed against that kind of stuff and government subsidies and the government helping you out and she her whole politics and almost religion was like don't don't rely on the government for anything and they they're they're evil and yeah. There she was at the end of her life, relied on the government. And well, particularly what he was getting was royalties for the spite the first Sam Raimi Spider Man movie. Uh, oh wow! So I don't think he was getting like monthly oh, creating okay. Spider Man, but he he got an amount from that movie that was made um, and was, was getting that. So can't be a small amount. I would give that issue a nine. I like I I just love this series for what it is and what I the versatility with which I think it can mean to a lot of different people that read it. I'm going to give it a nine and a half just because I like to one half up Jeff all night. Mm. <laughs> and I really liked comics this week. I did too. <laughs> Reinvigorated. Yeah, they were was... so beautiful this week. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of beautiful comics this week. Yeah. I'll give it a 9.7. Oh, oh, which is, which is going to come back and bite me in the butt in eight months when Andrew asked me, well, what'd you think of Rorschach number, <laughs> number six? I uh, that, Andrew. Six. He gave it a... <laughs> Uh, nope. I tried to come up with a pun, including almost and a gooey duck, and it just didn't. Django, I've got to cut you off there because you got to help Roman and I. Okay, so we got on this <laughs> podcast and we read the book Nottingham. You also read Nottingham? I didn't. I okay. Forgot. Well, I feel like a fool. No, easy to forget or not. I mean, probably not forget, but by the time that you would have read it, it was it had been scooped up because what mm -hmm. you told us when we got here is that this book, Nottingham Number One from Mad Cave Studios, written by David Hazan with art by Sean Connery. Hazan, Hazan has, is kind of the, the big spec book of the week. Yeah. $25 to $30 is generally more than a comic goes up in the first week unless it's that next tier of things. But um, it's an interesting book book and <laughs> even as i was like halfway through it i was like it feels like it could be kind of a big book but the thoughts i was having was like i don't know like is it going to get made into a movie even if it gets made into a movie it's not ideologically super dissimilar from other movies that have already been made so it doesn't feel like a script that's about to be optioned because it's not incredibly dissimilar from other nottingham things but um i don't know a ton about robin hood so roman do you want to give us you know the the lead in of, about this book or what this is yeah, it's it's uh, Robin and the Merry Men, but the but the uh, twist is that the Merry Men. First of all, I really like the fact they're called that because they all wear these grinning 
uh, demonically grinning mask to hide their identities. So they're referred to as the Merry Men. But they're going around killing people savagely. It's very gory and bloody. Um, and it's got the typical thing, you know, um, the king is off during the Crusades. So Prince John is in charge of of uh, the area, this area. I, um, I forget what part of England this is in, Sherwood Forest and all that. But, um, and they've got the it's sheriff. The English part. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the English with part the of accent. English. Oh yeah, sure there, <laughs> sure, uh, sure would. <laughs> Pass the cod. Um, they've got and we've got the ship. You know, the sheriff here and Maid Marion. There's some interesting stuff between the sheriff and Maid Marion. Where I don't know, she's an interesting character. She, she's flirtatious and she's man- manipulative, and I'm not quite sure if she's good or bad necessarily. I think the whole twist with this thing is the merry men aren't necessarily men the good guys or mary oh they're definitely not mary um and we only see robin briefly but i think we only see him as his nobleman persona we don't see him out being an outlaw or anything so did you okay so you felt like you did see robin hood in this oh yeah he's um he's the one that goes in the end to kill the person or Who's the person that was driving the carriage? Uh, no, he's... I'm trying to find the scene. Oh, you know, I remember it because they do say Robin. Yeah, he's like working for the... And he's blonde and he like is ushering somebody off panel. Yeah, it's the, the first scene at Nottingham at the castle. Yeah. yeah. A blonde archer. Is this DC? Yeah. It's... The, the maybe he might show up later in Marion's bedroom when he takes off his Merry Man mask. I wasn't quite sure if that was Robin or not. I, because the art is, I don't know, the art is, I'm not thrilled with the art. It's its like, I think the character design and the mask design, and particularly the cover design, is all really good. But I agree, yes. Roman, like, like while they look cool, it also sometimes it's like, this is still not a top tier artist. But I think it's the nicest quality art that Mad Cave has put out, except for Battle Cats, which is admittedly awesome art. Yeah, I guess I would have like the solicitation for it made me feel like it was kind of nodding like the sheriff is the protagonist and Robin Hood and the Merry Men are like the people fucking things up. We're going to be following the sheriff. And uh-huh. and this one, it's kind of that. But it, it's it still feels like the the narrator, the store, the, the I guess the audience is sort of still following kind of a middle road. And there's the sheriff who's not necessarily the good guy, but Robin Hood and the Merry Men aren't really the good guy. So there's kind of a crew of a lot of unlikable folks. And I guess I, I was almost felt like there was, I was expecting a little bit more clarity as to who I should be rooting for in this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be rooting for the sheriff because he's always traditionally been just an awful person, but, and actually looking at this again, I think at the end, it might even be Robin who breaks into the, the dungeon and, and spoilers kills will scarlet and i was like what robin wouldn't do that and, but is will yeah, scarlet an existing character he was, yeah he was one of the merry men in the in the in the legends i did like, I, I like being in that world and i like again i like robin hood dialed up to 11 you know like yeah yeah i'll definitely read the next one um, and the cultish chanting that the merry men have like, you know, so like we are, I forget exactly what it is. Cause I'm not going to open this book that is apparently now valuable uh, and possibly <laughs> ding the spine and not make oh. our $20 off of eBay or whatever. You put your fingerprints on that shit. We'll, we'll mark it up. Yeah, you're right. Um, so what was your score for it? Um, I'll give it a six. Okay. I'm curious enough to read the next one, but I'm not, I'm still a little leery. I'm going to go 6.5. Yeah, it's a good comic book. Um, 
the thing that would make me want to read more is really like the care like the character design i think those masks are so haunting and the idea of these people with yeah. these disfigured giant smiled masks with blood on them like running through the forest is that's a that's a that's a cool idea and almost separate from robin hood that's the thing that makes me want to read it another gorgeously drawn illustrated colored book to cap off this week of comic books for us maniac of new york number two Django, do you read this? Did you read after? Do you read Aftershock? I have been known to read Aftershock. In fact, I've read a lot of Aftershock, and yeah, I thought this was Aftershock. a really good comic. Django, read Dangerously Boring. That's that's my middle name. I got the shirt. I got the high fives. Uh, I'm I'm Facebook friends with some of the like the marketing people for Aftershock. I don't know if you Dang know that. Dang it! Pretty big deal. My friend Django, deal. the marketing guy. This, um, this, this is book, a fascinating comic. It's a fascinating comic. And okay, I know that it doesn't necessarily do a lot of good. But while I was reading this issue, <clears throat> the thing that kept coming to my mind is that this art reminds me of Francis Manipole. I'm not sure hmm. if you guys um, like this double page spread. Good Lord. That's a Francis Manipole flash page. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I could, I could kind of see that. Yeah, it hadn't occurred to me, but yeah. I see it too. I like the art. art. It's amazing. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it it's violent where it needs to be violent and kind of um, foreboding when it doesn't need to be violent. Really, really good stuff. And I like the character work in here too. Just like the 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 two cops have an interesting relationship. The the lady that is running away from the serial killer through the whole thing. Like she's on the train while they're trying to figure out how to solve this murder and, and then get back to the train. I don't think that lady's going to make it to the issue three. Get Gabrielle. Yeah. Uh, which, which lady, the lady, the lady in the uh, train, the one who's like rescuing oh. the kids. Gabriella. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I liked Everything about it, I am going to dock it because of uh, name on the first page. They, they go through like a nine panel grid of um, different people's names. You know, like this is Octavia Warren. This is Donald Stroh's Barbara Mueller. Oleg this Fox. Is Oleg Fox. And I was like, <laughs> man, you, you had me reeled in. And now I'm just thinking about how shitty it would be, na- to be how shitty it would be to be named Oleg Fox. And he does. See, I, I love that little joke because I was like, oh, my gosh. So his initials are oh fucks. <laughs> <laughs> he's about to be named salesman. So I was just picturing his salesman of the month plaque in the office saying salesman of the month. Oh fucks. <laughs> I love that this book feels a little bit like a Chuck Palahniuk book or something. Like it's yeah. it's yeah. it's visceral and it's on the surface. And like I think unless you're not into like unless you're opposed to things that are kind of like seven or David Fincher esque, then like you'd you'll be into it. Right. And when you have that type of a story that is kind of immediately on the surface puts a hook in you, combined with like some really beautiful art that doesn't mm-hmm. feel super characteristic of a like a book just about a serial killer right uh, it, the combination of those things makes it really really appealing to me yeah i i was impressed yeah this for a week with no brubaker books it's <clears throat> cool that we had that uh this comic and that um what was the very first one we did the uh joker yeah the joker two mm-hmm. such great co- crime stories mm-hmm. that weren't brubaker <laughs> it's true yeah i mean there's not 
a ton to say. It's just issue two. So we're, we got to know the cops more and we raised the stakes on this hairy killer, you know, serial murderer. It's that's a big, big, scary dude. And we learned that he got burned once we susceptible to fire. We kind of interviewed this person who knows about wrote a book on him, but he's living in the area of the town that like is kind of the no kill zone for Harry. And he's not really publicly talking about that because it'll cause the rent to go up. And then, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all interesting. It's all interesting. Yeah. That's I bet awesome. that it made me think that I bet there was some murder back when Harry was a kid that happened in that district. So he's afraid of that district and he's killing outside of it or something like, you know, made me think about what we might learn. Yeah. And that author just the things about his character and the fact that the cops are interviewing him and he has information that one of them is like, well, why didn't you ever tell us about this before? And he's like, ah, gotta say something with the second book. And it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> nice layering. And the art is gorgeous. Can't say enough good stuff about it. Yeah. Yeah. Really good book. Yeah. I like the politics. I like that Harry is a combination of Michael Myers and Jason and, almost a little bit of freddy possibly but that's too supernatural so so mainly michael well but but Jason. he's been in he's been killing people in new york for years and years and years and they haven't caught him like there's a there's got to be an amount of supernatural here too right yeah it could be yeah yeah it's like what if what I if mean, his power isn't to walk and still catch up to a running person but his power <laughs> is actually to just never get caught so he'll yeah. find you eventually it, it's it's uh Oh God, which Friday the 13th movie was that where it was Jason takes Manhattan. And this is the serious version of that going on for decades. Then we take Berlin. <laughs> that's that's a little Leonard Cohen joke for you guys. I didn't get it, but I want to get a score on that because I have something I need to talk to you guys about Carmen that I forgot to mention. Carmen San Diego. Exactly. Where Seven. in the world? Seven. <laughs> Seven points. You kind of have to give it a seven, don't you? Because of the movie, yeah, yeah, seven, like seven, seven. I'm gonna go eight because I just I nice. love the art and it makes yeah it makes all those characters interactions sing when it seems like they're so gorgeously portrayed. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it an eight. I mean, and and the cliffhanger endings are great. The two mm-hmm. cops at the end, here comes the train, and they're gonna get on it somehow, and they're both like, yeah, we're probably gonna die. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, on that note. I feel like we should probably bring this thing home. Um, I asked Andrew, I mean, unless we're going to start talking about Terrace House, um, which is Terrorist where, House, which is what my head is about. I actually uh, Will and Andrew said they would start an episode by episode podcast about Terrace House with me. So that's probably my next creative endeavor. <laughs> if anyone wants to talk to me about Terrace House, please, for the love of God. But on that note, I'm going to get out of here and probably make some flashcards to study my Japanese language. I went to the store and bought some flashcards today to label up for my uh, language uh, exercises. Roman, thank you so much for letting us hang out in your car this week. Well, you know, I had to get it out on the road and, you know, it sits in the garage and just rots away. I know. You can't start it. Rust is boat cancer. Boat cancer. I wish that your radio worked. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the time. Yeah. I've enjoyed sharing the thoughts. Yeah, we just sing and chant. Yeah. <laughs> the chants, though. 99 <laughs> bottles of beer on the wall. Oh, 99 <laughs> bottles, bottles of, of Bartholomew Covens and Ublek. Um, <laughs> but this was episode. What was this episode, Roman? 217. Oh, okay. Yeah, Illinois. Modesto. Oh, Modesto, Illinois. Yeah, Illinois. Um, what a noisy place. Uh, so, yeah, I guess 
Rome, if you want to send us out of here, I'll just do the goodbye. What? Uh, it's been five thanks. years. It's been five years. It's been, <laughs> no, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's, been it's been like four and a half. It's been 17 years of comics, week after week after week. <laughs> Is that how long you've been working at the comic shop? 17 years? Is that what that um, year? No, I don't even. No, I just pulled 17 okay, out of okay, my cool. butt. I just didn't know if it was something. I don't his know, favorite number to put in his butt. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm terrible at math. What are you it's doing over there, Roman? What are you doing with that 17 over there, Roman? <laughs> Nothing. Look the other way. There's customers <laughs> coming in. Don't look. <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> this robe's a little tight in the butt. Since <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 92, however many years that's been. Um, thank you, listeners, readers. 29. Viewers. What? 29 what? You started working years. there the year before Jeff was born. Oh my God! I mean, there's been some. No, right? no, no. no. He I, said, I mean, he I said mean, there's 90 been something. Ninety-two is when I first. Oh, he has three years place. after I was born, yeah. and, it, and it hasn't been consecutive. That's been you know stretches where I didn't work there. Wow, but thirty years. It's like a like an eighteen-year stretch in the beginning where you didn't work there at all. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> Almost my entire life you've been putting tenure in, so that's cool. Good Lord, I've been stuffing files for your entire lifetime. Almost. Yeah, you have, baby. <laughs> We're gonna get On that canceled. note, we want to thank everyone for listening to our final episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in some form. We'll, we'll start our own movement. <laughs> uh, any commit? Any any anything the listeners should do? Any reviews? Uh, yeah, or... we probably got some kind of social media that kind of stuff. You could get a hold of us or whatever if you want but you know whatever at this point i, I need, I need like, a sandwich <laughs> if you're at this point you're like yeah i know roman jeff and Django, and i know that it's awesome <laughs> to be hearing roman do it yeah we yeah. got you know facebook instagram discord email whatever. at jeff at the comics place <laughs> and TikTok, write email man. on the <laughs> subject line i would like we love questions and um you know you'll have a prompt to answer some questions here before we get out of here entirely but Django, it sounded like you were actually about to say something Oh, I was just going to ask what people's favorite. Um, no, 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 I no, no, not for your final thing. But you were literally. <laughs> I interrupted a statement you were about to say. Uh, I, I was going to say that we are going to have new listeners to this because it's going to come up whenever somebody searches "Assistant Editors Month" podcast. Triangle. I'm Django. I like, I like triangles. I'm Roman, and I like triangles. I'm Jeff, and I was thinking about something recently. If Superman and the Hulk got into a fight, but then halfway through the fight decided to stop fighting and mm. just read their favorite children's books because they realize they have an internal innocence that resonates with one another, what would the children's book that Superman bring to the table be? And what would be the children's book that the Hulk would bring into the table be? I like it. I like it. And, and if, follow-up question if Please. they only had two books and one of them was bartholomew coven uh, bartholomew uh, bartholomew covens and the five thousand hats and the other one was hats for sale who would choose which one mm. i don't know that second book but ah um, you don't have kids you'll get it two, it's a two question thing so uh, bring that into it send us separate emails please i don't want like i don't want to get my hats in jeff's kids books or jeff's kids books in my superman yeah yeah we'll see you next week